going to come back to the uh, passages in Colossians that we read uh, a few verses from at the beginning of the service, and this time read a slightly uh, longer passage, slightly more of the verses, but from, from the message version. We look at this sun and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this sun and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels. Everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organises and holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade, he is supreme in the end. From beginning to end he's there Towering far above everything, everyone. So spacious is he, so roomy, that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe. People and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies. All because of his death. His blood that poured down from the cross. Our final New Testament reading this evening comes from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 4, bidding him to read at verse 1. Ephesians 4, verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope, when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up 
until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. In our series on title of Jesus, tonight we're thinking about Jesus, the head of the body, the church. And in many ways the head is the most important part of the body. I mean if I lose a hand or a foot, that's serious, it's bad news. A good friend of mine who worked in insurance would be able to tell you how much compensation you get for losing a hand or a foot. But if you lose your head, you're not around to collect the compensation. For that reason, you can see how the idea developed that in some way the head is the source of the life and growth of the body. Because if the head is removed, the body dies. So when the Bible talks about Christ as the head of the body of the church, it means that at one level, Christ is the source of our life, the source of our growth. That's why Ephesians can say it's from Christ as the head of the body that the whole body grows and builds itself up in love. We live because Christ is our head. We grow and develop and mature and make progress in faith because of our connection to Christ as our head. And as our head, Christ is the one in charge. We operate as the church under his direction. As the head of the body, Christ is the inspiring, ruling, guiding, combining, sustaining power. He is the mainspring of the body's activity, the centre of its unity, the seat of its life. And because the head is the highest part of the body, the head occupies the position of authority. The whole body works under the coordinating rule of the head. That's why the different bits of our body work effectively together to do the tasks that we want them to do. Because the head is in charge of how the body operates. That means the bits of the body don't conflict with each other, work across purposes. And it means that as the body does what the head tells the body to do, the body is quite effective in working hard and getting things done. So as the head directs your body... And under the head's direction, your body does okay on a daily basis as Christ directs the church. We should be effective in getting his will done. The idea in the ancient world is not so much that the head is the source of thinking. Generally, they thought that the heart was the place of the body where people mulled things over and puzzled things out. The head is the command centre as far as they're concerned. And if Christ is the head of the church, it follows that he is the boss, the governor, the Lord, the one who decides what happens and who calls the shots. And Baptist churches have traditionally been rather hot on this idea. 
insisting that our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh, is the sole and absolute authority in all matters pertaining to faith and conduct. That's why we don't have bishops. There is no one who can say to us as a church, this is what you need to do. Christ is the only one who has that authority. That's why we have church meetings where collectively we gather to discern the mind and will of Christ. That's why instead of talking about leaders in church, we talk about deacons and ministers who are servants. Because at the end of the day, we only have one leader. There is only one head, and that is Christ. So if you catch me talking about my authority, feel free to call me up short and ask me what I'm talking about. Because actually the ultimate authority for any of us is Christ. And we are called to submit to each other. And so we should. We submit to each other out of reverence to Christ. So there's no lording it over each other here. To do so would be to run the risk of usurping the authority of Christ. In submitting to each other, we show our readiness to submit to him. If we are the body of which Christ is the head, it's our part to do his bidding and to carry out his will. That means the church should not be running around like a headless chicken. It's well known that if you cut the head off a chicken, the chicken might continue to run around for a quarter of an hour or more before eventually it dies. I'm told that's because there is residual oxygen in the spinal cord circuits, and without input from the brain, these circuits work quite spontaneously. And sometimes the neurons fire a motor program of running, and that's what the chicken does. There is a well-documented case in the 1940s and 50s of a chicken living for 18 months after its head was cut off. It became known as Miracle Mike, the headless chicken. And it survived for so long because the bit of the head that was cut off actually contained very little brain at all. <laughs> there is a lesson for us to learn from this. Namely that running round, doing lots of things, is not necessarily a sign of life. The other week, a dozen, half a dozen of us went for a couple of days to, to Reading to see what lessons we could learn from a few Baptist churches that have seen remarkable levels of growth at the Firestarters programme. Alex, one of the church ministers there, said that in his church they spend a lot of time talking about who they are as church and not a lot of time talking about what they do. Because who we are as church matters more than what we do. And that was thought-provoking and perceptive. And perhaps particularly pertinent to us as Bright Road, because when people come here, their first impression is, wow, there's a lot going on here. Aren't you a busy church? You're doing so much. There is a lot of stuff going on in these rooms, in this building, most of the week. And most of us here are busy doing something in the life and work of the church. But the important question is not what are we doing, how busy we are, but who are we? Who are we in Christ? What's our relationship with him? Why do we do what we do? And if you're a busy church member, it's easy to be so busy that our relationship with Christ kind of takes a back seat sometimes. Whereas the relationship should be primary and everything we do should flow out 
of our relationship with Christ and take place under his direction. And there's a real danger that we can be so busy working away at what we're doing that Christ is neglected. Or actually, if we feel a bit detached from Christ, we can try and compensate for that by working even harder. Are you so busy doing that you don't have time to be? Sometimes it's time to stop and be still and know that the Lord is God, that Christ is the head. And we do what we do under his direction. Otherwise we're doing our own thing. That's why worship is important. That's why we, what we do here on a Sunday is, is, is a vital part of our, of our life as a church because it strengthens our relationship with Christ as our head. It reminds us, Jesus, you are the one all this is for. You are the one all this is about. You are the one that matters. The starting point for anything we do, the starting point for who we are, is the declaration, Jesus is Lord. That means if we're going to do what he, what he wants us to do, we first of all have to hear what he has to say. We take our direction from the head. So to spend time listening, waiting, pondering, praying, thinking, considering, sharing, discussing as we were on Wednesday, these things are important. And Christ does have work for us to do, of course. There's a lot of truth in the famous words spoken by St. Teresa of Avila. Christ has no body now but yours. No hands. No feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks with compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands. Yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes. You are his body. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. St. Teresa was right. The risen Christ reigns in heaven. When it comes to carrying out his purpose and putting his will into practice here on earth, we are the people he uses to do that. In that sense, we are the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is no couch potato. When Gina, not our Gina, was made redundant, she spent her days in front of the television eating a couple of packets of crisps for breakfast, and over a period of three years came to the point where she was eating 15 packets of crisps a day, as her body craved the highs caused by the additives, the fat and the sugar, the crisps contained. And over time her concentration slowed, she just got tired all the time. The excess cholesterol in her body develops into gallstones measuring up to an inch and a half in diameter. Is there the remotest danger that we could abuse the body of Christ like that and treat it like a couch potato? I don't think that's a particular danger for Brighton Road. But it did make me stop and think about whether the body of Christ is healthy in the UK. What, what, what do we seek to do for people coming to church? We want them to be comfortable. We want them to enjoy the experience of being here. It's great if the worship gives them a spiritual high. We're looking at couches and crisps and things that make people feel good. 
And if that is our goal and our aim, then we are in danger of treating the church like a couch potato. Are we providing entertainment? Are we giving people the energy and the resources to go out and serve Christ in the real world? On our way home, do we think about, well, I enjoyed that service, I enjoyed that sermon? Um, or are we thinking about, did I connect with Christ? Did I have an encounter with God? Have I been encouraged or inspired to offer my body to dedicate my life as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God? Offering myself to him in worship so that when we leave church we go out to practice what we've discerned of his good, pleasing and perfect will for us. To what extent do we connect with Christ as the head of the body and sense his call to act as his body in the world? So, on the one hand, if all our busyness does not flow out of our worship of Christ, we can end up being headless chickens. On the other hand, if our worship doesn't issue in the active service of Christ to the world, we can end up being couch potatoes. But Christ is the head of the body of the church. He's the source of our life. He's Lord of our lives. Without him, all our business and activity is fruitless. But under his direction, the body of Christ should be making a real, tangible difference in the world. Are we that? If Brightburn Baptist Church disappeared overnight, would people miss us? Would they notice the difference? Oh my word! All these things that used to be happening aren't happening anymore. We think of Jenny and we will miss her because of who she was and all she did. What would the impact be on your neighbours if you were no longer there? Would Horsham be a worse place if Brighton Road were no longer here? If we are the body of Christ, as St. Teresa of Avila said, to what extent are we as members of his body serving the community and town in which we live? Couch potatoes, headless chickens, or servants working under Christ's direction? Jesus, as head of your body, Take charge of who we are and all we do in your name.